It was a cold winter night, late August 1956. There I was sitting alone in my bunker when two of my fellow soldiers came by and... Wait, this was actually left over from Pastor Kip's sermon. Wrong one. It was a warm, sunny afternoon, late August 2007. And there I was, sitting with Shauna, my wife, in our living room in Bend, Oregon, as we considered a major career change. For nearly a decade, Shauna and I lived here in the Puget Sound, where we worked both in the radio industry, and we suspected that we would leapfrog from city to city for a time. But in 2006, a radio station in Bend, Oregon called and offered me an opportunity to host my own morning show and for Shauna to join their advertising team. Still newlyweds and kidless and ready for an adventure, we packed up, we left the Puget Sound and set our GPS for Central Oregon. Now, Bend is and was a great place to be. We loved our jobs, we loved the friends we made, our home, our growing family, and we loved, loved our church. And one summer afternoon, we found ourselves sitting in the associate pastor's office, and after some quick small talk, he leaned across his desk and said, Brian, Shauna, I've got one question for you. More on that in a moment. But first... Let me welcome you to Cornwall Church this weekend. And if we've not yet met, I'm Brian Mengel. I'm our Skagit campus pastor. This is our fifth week as we look at our summer series, looking at the life of Moses. And by no means is this an exhaustive study, but instead spending our time looking at the highlights of some of the best moments from Moses' life. Today we pick up where Pastor Bob left off at the end of June, looking at a very key characteristic based on a very pivotal moment, the calling of Moses. Now, now first, it's important to state the obvious, that God's calling is not a past tense idea reserved for men and women of the Bible. God continues to call people today. And God's calling in and for your life falls into two categories, the known and the unknown. Our known calling includes the ideas of speaking up for those that can't speak for themselves, defending the rights of the poor and the needy. As Isaiah would write, we are called to seek justice. As Micah would write, we're called to act justly and love mercy and walk humbly with our God. As Matthew would record, we're called to seek first the kingdom of God. We're called to value others above ourselves and not look to our own interests, but the interests of others. We're called to go into the world and preach the gospel. And Jesus would tell us our calling is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and love other people as much as you love yourself. Second Timothy would also record we're called quite simply to live a holy life. These are examples of God's known callings. In other words, if you are a Christ follower, this is what we've been called to do. What's expected of us to God, to others, and for ourselves. And most times, what's known is often easier to understand and execute than what is unknown. And when God calls us to the unknown, it requires us to rely on our faith at the deepest level, to engage our willingness to step out and say, God, if you say so. And while that can be scary and faith building and certainly outside our comfort zone, God's call to step out of the boat and onto the water always leads to a great adventure. Such is the case with our text today. 
We pick up the dialogue between God and Moses in Exodus 3 with God calling and saying, Now I, God, am sending you to the king of Egypt so that, in order that, you can lead my people out of his country. My people will listen to what you say to them. Now we have the great vantage point of knowing how the story ends. We know Moses as one of the great men of God that God uses in a big way. He's included in the list in Hebrews 11, the heroes of faith. But just for a moment, suspend your knowledge of that. Suspend the reality that Egypt hadn't happened yet. The commandments hadn't happened yet. The Red Sea hadn't happened yet. Leadership through 40 years hadn't happened yet. And frankly, Moses' resume didn't look so hot. He was 80 years old, and while he had grown up with a great education, he had lived out in the wilderness looking after sheep for 40-some years, hiding from authorities because of killing a man in a fit of rage. He certainly didn't regard himself as a leader and wasn't really interested in joining God's small group and all of this, and yet God chose him anyway. It's this amazing reminder that when God calls, he calls ordinary people. He calls ordinary, regular people. Look at the definition of ordinary. Ordinary is simply average, regular, or of common ability. Just regular, regular guys. And the Bible is full of ordinary, regular People called by God for a greater purpose beyond that which disqualified them. Jacob was a cheater. David had an affair. Noah liked to drink. Paul was a murderer. Gideon was a wheat farmer. Thomas was a doubter. Abraham was old. Lazarus was dead. Joseph was a shepherd. Jonah ran away. Peter, James, and John, ordinary fishermen. Mary was a teenager. And Joseph was a common, ordinary carpenter that God would call to be the earthly father of Jesus. You see, when God calls ordinary people, it leads to extraordinary outcomes. God called Moses to be who he was, but he was also calling him to become something he wasn't yet. On a podcast recently, Chuck Swindoll said this of calling. He said, yes, you may feel unqualified, uneducated, untrained, undergifted, and even unworthy. Yet those are excellent qualifications for God to do a mighty work. In other words, this, you could say feeling inadequate is a prerequisite for being used by God. Age and gender and status and qualifications are not important because when God calls, he calls the person best suited on his terms for the job. And if only Moses knew this, but instead he replies to the Lord this way. He says, pardon your servant, Lord. Now, I'm a visual guy. So in my mind, I can see God declaring this plan, making this personal invitation to Moses to be part of the plan, possibly with a a great excitement, with a satisfaction that he's made this offer. And then there's Moses, sheepishly, Raising his hand, saying, "Uh, excuse me, God over here, if you please. And he goes on. He says, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you've spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. 
Now, before we cast stones in disbelief to this response, let's give Moses the benefit of the doubt. I suspect he was thinking logically. You know, while he started his life with great confidence and stature, his first attempt at delivering Israel didn't go so great. The people rejected him. They mocked him. Pharaoh disowned him. And he ended up killing a guy. Pastor J.D. Greer calls that a bad day at work. He says, everyone hates you. Your boss fires you and you kill someone on the way to the parking lot. That's a bad day. And now here we go again. Moses has got to be thinking, look, God, there are so many other great leaders, so many other great speakers to choose from. Don't waste this need on me. But God has none of that. He responds this way. The Lord says to him, Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Through some great rhetorical questions, God makes the case that Moses ought not worry, reminding him that he, God, is ultimately in control. He's in charge. He's the creator of all. He does this and then he simply commands with two words. He says these two words, now go. He says, now go. He says, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. Two words, now go. And he pairs those words with this reassuring promise, I will go with you. I will be with you. I will help you speak. How about this? Moses shares his concern. God responds to those concerns. God calls. Moses listens. Moses goes. Not so much. You know the story. And the next two words put a big damper on this godly send-off. Puts a screeching halt to our story. And the words are, but Moses. But Moses. Far different than when we see but God In the Bible, you see, a but God in Scripture precedes a divine turning point or moment. David writes in Psalm, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart, my portion forever. Paul would write to the Ephesians, You were dead in your trespasses and sin, but God. It goes without saying this was not a divine turning point or moment. This was Moses making one last plea. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord, please send someone else. His plea almost sounds a little more desperate in the NLT. It says it this way. But Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send anyone else There's got to be somebody else you can send. Moses now begging God to choose someone, anyone, anyone with a pulse, just as ordinary as he is to fulfill this great calling. And again, we know the story. We know how the story ends. And yet the feeling that you have wherever you are watching right now in the pit of your stomach is because you feel for this guy. Likely because you've been where this guy is. Because the truth is, when God calls, we object. When God calls us, we object. If we were being honest, I suspect we'd agree that we object a lot. Sometimes it's defiant. 
Sometimes it's passive. Sometimes it's verbal. Sometimes it's with action or in action, but more than likely, we would not like to admit how many times we have pulled a Moses, raising our hand in objection. Uh, God, thanks for thinking of me, but I'm not smart enough. I don't know enough. I'm too shy. I'm too loud. People will not take me seriously. I'm not a public speaker. You know what, God? I'm just not willing. Or I'm too old. I'm too young. I mean, side note, Moses was 80 when he was being called by God. Josiah was eight when he was called by God. But we, like Moses, usually find some type of excuse to get God to not ask us to do what he's asking us to do. And let's be really mindful. Let's be really honest for a minute. These objections we're making, they're directed to God. Yet, time out. Do we realize, do we really realize to whom we are objecting? And yet we object all the time. And unfortunately, this is nothing new. Objecting to God has happened for years and years and years. Jeremiah would cry out this way. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. Sorry, I'm just too young. I can't really put two words together. Jonah, God would call him to Nineveh and he would go the opposite direction. He would object through action. And it says this, Jonah ran away in action. He runs away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for the port, paid the fare. I mean, talk about actions. He hops aboard and sails and flees from the Lord. How far away can I get from this calling God? Even the disciples who were in Jesus's inner circle, men who would have assumed to have a tested and deep faith, they too would object to Jesus. After seeing thousands of people needing food and the small amount of food they had, they object. They say this, but Lord, we have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. They rebuttaled, they objected. And this isn't Moses' first objection either. We see the first time back in Exodus 3, it says, Moses said to God, I am nobody. How can I go to the king and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And here we are now, one more time, Moses begging God to rethink his choice. And the challenge is, is the conversation now has reached a stalemate. God says, now go. And Moses says, please, no. Just go, please, God, no. And it's in this moment that we see God express enough is enough. Here's how. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. And he said, what about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you and he will be glad to see you. This is what's so cool and great about God. Even as he burns with anger, I've had enough, enough with the excuses. Even as he burns with this anger, God is good. God is gracious. And for this, we can be grateful 
Because what God calls us to, God will support us through. What he calls you to, he will support you through. For Moses, God provided an assurance that he would help him speak, that he would help him find the words and what to do along the way. Now, God did not promise Moses, this is going to be an easy assignment. But he did promise to be present and to help. For us, God knows us. God created you. So he's not surprised when our limited minds can't expand to see what it is he really has cooking, what he's planning right around the corner. And it's for that reason that he may get tired of our excuses, but because he has our best in mind for his glory, he sees, he supports, and he does this through the calling on our lives. So back to Ben. There we sat, Shauna, myself, our associate pastor. And as he leaned over his desk, I vividly remember what he had to say to us. He said, Brian, Shauna, I have one question for you. Brian, would you serve as our youth pastor? Shauna, would you serve as our children's ministry director? A a little in shock, I remember thinking, did I hear this guy right Did he just ask a morning DJ to take on his student ministry? So breaking the silence, I did what any mature Christian would do. I objected. I said, you can't be serious, right? I told him, Shauna and I have zero qualifications for this proposal. Shauna has sold radio advertising for her entire career, and I've made a living introing songs and doing weather and sharing bad jokes on the radio. We are in no way prepared or equipped to lead your student and children's ministries. Well, needless to say, the objection was overruled. God's calling was fulfilled. We resigned at the radio station and blindly dove into ministry, firmly believing that God had called us and would support us through. And he did, faithfully, For years and years, and then again here at Cornwall. And in respect, God was not, in retrospect, God was not having us consider a career change, but a career calling. Christine Kane in her book Undaunted says this Ever feel like Moses when from out of the burning bush God called him to speak for him before Pharaoh? Not me, God. I'm afraid, weak, poor, stupid, unqualified, daunted. Just as God gave Moses exactly what he needed to accomplish great things, he will equip us in the same way. What if we stopped making excuses and just believed that God will be with us as he calls us? Remember Jeremiah's pleading a bit ago? Alas, sovereign Lord, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. But check out the response from the Lord. It starts out with three words, but the Lord. But the Lord said, do not say I'm too young. Do not be afraid of them for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. I am with you. Sound familiar? God said the same thing to Moses, responding to all of his excuses and objections. In Exodus 3, God answered, Moses, I'll be with you, right there, with you. And in verse 14, God addresses Moses' what ifs 
What if I'm not smart enough? What if I don't know enough? What if people don't take me seriously? What if I stumble over my words? And God says to Moses, I am who I am. What sort of answer is that? Well, it's an all-encompassing answer. Moses says, what if I'm not smart enough? And God says, well, I am. And he says, well, what if I don't know enough? And God says, good thing I know it all. I am. And Moses says, what if people don't take me seriously? And he says, I have your back. I am. And Moses says, well, if I stumble over my words and I can't put a sentence together. And he says, I am. I will be your words. He gets a little more specific just a chapter later. He says, you, Moses, shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He goes on, verse later, and says, He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. In our hyper-selfish world, we often forget our eyes are focused on ourselves. Oftentimes, our greatest battle in fulfilling God's calling is the battle that we fight with ourselves. Insecurity runs rampant. It's that voice inside your head that says, I am not blank enough. What, what, how do you fill in that blank for yourself? I'm not good enough, athletic enough, smart enough, rich enough, funny enough, spiritual enough, capable enough. And let's be honest. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, man, they make these things thousand times worse because no matter what you do, there is inevitably someone else out there that can do it better. And so through God's I statements, he reminds us over and over and over again where our confidence comes from. I, God, will be with you. I will help you. I am who I am. And God doesn't call us to do big things, to step out of the boat and go beyond your comfort zone just to leave you there. Instead, it's quite the contrary. He calls you to do big things, to step out of the boat, to get beyond your comfort zone. And then he walks alongside you and gives you support and provides you the confidence to fulfill the calling. Finally, this. When God calls, be assured he has a purpose in mind. When God calls you in your life, be assured he has a purpose in mind, a purpose that has implications both up and out and in. Our obedience to act on God's calling on us, well, that is upward. That is, it is respecting and honoring God up. Our fulfillment of God's calling will inevitably affect others. That's out. And something incredible happens in us when we see our lives through the lens of God's calling, our grip loosens just a little bit more and life gets a little bit more exciting because then we get to ask over and over and over again, God, what will you call me to next? Knowing you will have his full support however he responds. You see, God doesn't act haphazardly. He doesn't act in reaction either. Therefore, every divine action is for a distinct reason. And every holy calling is for an intentional, personal purpose. Now, we may not see on the front end every time when God has a reason to do a specific thing or call you to a specific purpose. But know this. Paul writes, we are God's workmanship 
created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared when? In advance for us to do. So when God calls, there's purpose and an unrecognized preparation. Here's what's cool. Is that for 40 years, Moses led sheep through the very wilderness that he wanted Israel to escape through. His proximity to Pharaoh allowed him to read and understand and learn about legal documents and how to set up a government. Coincidence? I don't think so. See, God is always working behind the scenes and in front of you, preparing us for tasks ahead, even when we don't see it in the moment, even sometimes when it's staring you in the face. We know now that God did not move us to Bend, Oregon for radio jobs. He moved us to the place that he would provide a church where we would unknowingly be trained and prepared and eventually called to serve in ministry. Moses thought he had his track figured out, but then God called. Mike Leibold, our children's ministry pastor, worked in the refineries, well, before God called. Mike Ford, our go and be pastor, was an industrial engineer before God called. Jeff Shaw, our executive pastor, was vice president of a local paper company. You get it, until God called. Kit McCormick, our associate pastor, is an army colonel before God called. You hear the pattern? We plan, yet God calls. Following God's calling is the best roller coaster you'll ever ride. Because just when you think you know the path of the track, there's an unforeseen dip or turn, and we have this unwavering assurance that God knows, just as he promised. What if we change the lens by which we look at our life and the callings of God? Choosing to see through the grid that everything, everything, the good, the bad, the exciting, the disappointing, the tragedy, the triumph are all from a loving God who is preparing, calling for you. So what do you think? This week, one of Pastor Kip's daily devotions closed with this beautiful reminder. I, I highlighted it, I cut it out, I put it in my journal. God is not done with this world. God is not done with you. The reality is God is active. God has a plan and we are it. No excuses. What God calls us to do, he will support us in doing. To Moses, God plainly expressed he didn't care about the speaking challenge and remedied it with Aaron. For us, God's expressing the same. He doesn't care about your past, about your fears, about your lack of knowledge. He's interested in you and your willingness Founder of the Christian mission Open Doors, Brother Andrew once said, God does not choose people based on their ability, but instead based on their availability. So as long as you're on this side of heaven, breathing with a heartbeat, consider yourself available. Because if God is calling, the question then is, are you ready to answer? God is calling. Are you ready to answer? If your answer is yes, this sermon, this is for you. Because God is not interested in playing hide and seek with his calling for you. He desires for you to hear his calling on your life so that you may fulfill it for him, for you, for others. So be tuned in. 
Engage the Holy Spirit for insight. Watch for God trying to get your attention. Take up the challenge. Step out in faith. Even when you could easily, easily give 10 reasons why not. Some people look at the world and say, why isn't God doing anything about these problems, these challenges? And I would offer, well, he actually has. He's created you. So perhaps someone watching today, God is going to call you to the mission field. For someone else, maybe God is calling you to give away all that you have of abundance and share it with those in need around you. For someone else, maybe God is calling you to be a light and an influence at work. And let me be clear, God is, God's calling is not a prepackaged, one-size-fits-all. It's not always the big asks, fighting the giants and parting the seas. What if God was calling you simply on a small scale to speak up for those that don't have a voice or simply connect with someone maybe you normally wouldn't and lend a listening ear. Focus on who you are and not who you aren't and what you don't have. God made you and he's calling you where you are today, right now, exactly as you are. For those not ready to answer God's call, this sermon, it was for you too. For Moses, the doubts of those that he was trying to lead, seeped into his heart and mind, captivated his soul, caused him to second guess a lot. And for you, whatever you do, don't give in to the world around you. Don't decline God's call because you're scared or don't feel like you're good enough or don't have the means. Don't let the volume of the world, the culture, or the social media drown out that still small voice from God. Just be open. Be open to him. Because God is patient and persistent. And like a great telemarketer, he will keep calling until eventually you pick up. You need proof of that? How about Suzanne Skurjank? Suzanne serves as executive assistant to Pastor Bob and Pastor Jeff. Jeff and, and she also happens to be my birthday twin, August 29th. Suzanne is fantastic. And I love her story. I asked her to share it with me and you in summary. She said, long story short is I was happy in my banking job. I was in a sweet spot. I was going to retire a, blank, a banker. And then I get a letter from Pastor Bob saying the elder board approved a position as executive assistant for him. My name came up and would I be interested in interviewing? I was flattered but had zero interest in being a church lady. I was a banker after all. But I went in, got interviewed anyway, and kept feeling this nudge, this whisper from God to keep the conversation going. I argued with God for four months, gave him a myriad of excuses because it didn't make sense to me. It didn't add up. Finally, it came to be an act of trust and obedience because I did not understand why. But God was making it clear I was being called to this. And here I sit 16 years later as an executive assistant. No regrets. My best decision ever. God's calling isn't always clear. It certainly always is not easy. But bottom line, be assured of this. God is calling. He's calling us all to do something. 
whether it's in your company, in your neighborhood, in your mom group, in a community organization, quite possibly around the world or just in your cul-de-sac, God made you on purpose and has called you to make a difference. Cornwall Church, God is calling us up and out to do big things, to step out of the boat, to be bold and courageous. And the greatest assurance is this, that God calls us to it and he'll support us through it. Man, might we adopt this exclamation from the prophet Isaiah who said, here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. God's calling, will you answer? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for today. You know, uh, virtual gathering is not our desire, but it is, it is the reality for the time. And so we uh, help us be grateful uh, for the technology to be able to connect in this way, to worship and hear uh, your word. God, thank you for Moses, for this example and, and your calling and your patience with him, for your extending that patience to us when we don't hear or choose not to hear your calling on our lives. I just pray that you would drown out the competing noise around us so that we can clearly hear what it is you're calling us to. And through your Holy Spirit, would you grant us the confidence that we will need to tackle those tasks and say yes for the calling you set before us. God, we love you. We are grateful that you would entrust us, ordinary people, for your greater purposes. God, in your name we pray. Amen.